Ladies and gentlemen, there are nukes in space, not really, but it's a catchy title. Welcome back to the Astrocast. I'm Joseph Seas. We have Matthew Barrera back as the. Why are we so echoey? I don't know. Is yours on? Hey, just test yours right now. Hello? Hello? Oh, yours isn't on. It's just mine. I'm just really echoey tonight. That's right. We're, uh, just get back, get, uh, I haven't done this in a while, if you can't tell. And tonight, we're going to be talking about how space nukes have prompted the UN to change the laws about international cooperation in space. So some exciting stuff. We're also going to be talking about a hut found on the moon, and the term they've coined for this is the mystery hut. Uh, so before we get into all of that, if Matthew, do you remember what the button is? We haven't done this in a while. The button for the yep, it's nine. Okay. So make sure you guys, I know I say this every time, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you don't miss another episode of the Astrocast Live. We are live here every Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific time, uh, plus or minus a few minutes because uh, we're usually slow and late. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure everything is perfect. Yeah. We're making sure everything is perfect, and it usually never is. So, uh, you can also find me on Instagram at joe.seesall, and you can uh, find us everywhere you find podcasts. And I think that's it. Like I said, I have not done this in a while, and I actually think you need to turn down my microphone. Sir? I think I'm... Oh, that's way too much. Uh, up a little more. Uh, that, that sounds good. That's good right there. I was really loud. Uh, sorry about that. But it was in the middle. So it was in the middle. Yeah. What's that? Like thirty decibel or ten? Negative ten. Oh, okay. Anyway, welcome to the Astrocast. Are you back on me? All right. Look at us go. We're a little rusty. We haven't. Oh, I just. I can't hear out of my left ear now. Hold on. Uh, there we go. Nope. That's there. Uh huh. Perfect. I need to stop messing with stuff. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, would you pull up the first story? Unless you have anything you would like to add or plug? No, like just a lot of interesting news. Uh, you have titles. to switch to you to hear yourself. There's just a lot of interesting... Oh. No, you're good. You're good. Oh, you're still talking. Still you talking. can't hear yourself. Oh. There's a lot of interesting news uh, titles. There's a bunch of... We've also... I have to get used to this entire um, new editing. It's not really new editing. Um, I changed area. it up a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, turn your microphone down. Yes, sir. By like two or three. Two or three? Is this a good enough? I don't know. I can't hear. Oh, okay. So, what were they saying? Oh, there's a lot of things I have to get used oh, to okay. now. And we have to, um, because usually um, we're doing this every week and we have everything adjusted. But now that it's been a while, we had to adjust everything back. Yeah. So you have to get used to... Uh, switch it back to me? You have to get used to, like, on the fly, pressing the buttons to switch back and forth between the people. I was doing that last week with Cameron, and I was sucking at it. Um, um, oh, I got this. <laughs> it, it, you just keep those one, two keys on uh, uh, in your left hand. But anyway, I digress. Let's take a look at the first article we have tonight uh, from Space.com about how space nukes have the UN poised to revisit their laws on keeping space peaceful? By Michelle L.D. Yes. Uh, so which screen are you on? Are you on me in the article? Yes. Okay. Alright. On November 15th, 2021, Russia destroyed one of its own satellites using a missile launched from the surface of Earth creating a massive debris cloud that threatens many space assets, including the International Space Station. Uh, I lost my place. Uh, this happened only two weeks after the United Nations General Assembly First Committee, that's a lot of words, uh, formally recognized the vital role that space and space assets play in international efforts to better the human experience and the risks of military activities in space, uh, in space posed to those Goals? I don't think that's proper grammar. You sure? No, oh, no. And the risks military activities in space pose to those goals. Okay, got it. 
Sorry, I'm, I'm a, a bit rusty. rusty. <laughs> I haven't done this in a while. It's crazy that they can shoot something off in the same. Oh, yeah, you have to switch to you. It's crazy that they can shoot something from, you know, Earth and perfectly... <laughs> they're able to destroy their own satellites. Imagine they could just do that to every single other satellite. Take out communications at any time, for any time of any other country. So... Yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting. I don't know if the I know the U.S. and China have both been developing those types of weapons. I don't know how successfully. Um, I doubt many people do, except for the people expressly working on those projects, because it's uh, probably highly confidential. But uh, I digress. I need to stop drinking hot chocolate. <laughs> I already drank all of mine. You already. You did. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, Joe. Yeah. Sorry, I I want to um, say something that uh, the U.S. Uh, China and the U.S. have been arguing, like, politically, uh -huh. about the, that if we should be able to shoot down, like, it just reminded me of the nukes, be able to shoot down nukes as well, because that, the main, um, the main thing with nukes is that both sides have it, so it's uh, mutually uh, ensured destruction, but if one country is able to shoot down nukes, there's no threat to them anymore, and they can just keep progressing, nobody, there's no checks and balances. So, so it's respecting? Yeah. So China's basically saying, we have nukes, you have nukes, you have the capability to, to uh, protect yourself from them, mm -hmm. so uh, we're going to take that away from you through the United Nations so that you don't have that. That's exactly what I was I really hope that doesn't work, because I would really hate to wake up one day to see a mushroom cloud. I think anybody would say that, John. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. But... I mean, all China needs to do is just do what they do with all the other, uh, um... Copy? Yeah. They're really good at that. They're really good at stealing copyright and, uh, infringement stuff and... Who's gonna stop them? Uh, not the UN. Exactly. Not the United States. Mm -hmm. Okay, I really need to stop drinking that because I'm just like... Anyway. <laughs> so, I don't know, uh, a while ago we reported, uh, or we read an article from Space.com reporting that China had a basically a glider high up in the Earth's atmosphere, and it went around the world twice before it landed at its target. And this was carrying a nuclear payload, and nobody had any idea um, that it was happening until they figured it out, until it started coming down. But and you know the U.S. intelligence committee was is just baffled that China had this capability to go anywhere in the world with this high altitude uh, vehicle with a nuclear payload. And so this is prompting the UN to basically take a look at the 1969, or no, 1967 Space Treaty. Or, uh, it's, it's actually, it's right here. The 1967 Outer Space Treaty. I apologize. Uh, I like right under that. It says outer space is a, uh, oh no, I read that wrong. It says outer space is far from a lawless vacuum. Uh, Basically, and this is from The Martian, this is where my knowledge comes from. Uh, basically, I believe international maritime laws apply for space to where it's technically under the jurisdiction of the UN. I do believe. Is it? I think so. I could be wrong, but um, that's, I think, what they're going to revisit is the treaty between the Soviet Union and the US. They shouldn't, it's been so long. And so much has progressed in space technology. You have to switch back to you. That's all I had to say. Whoops. <laughs> okay. So, there's a few caveats in the Treaty of 1967 for Outer Space. And the first one is about the moon. And it states that the moon and other celestial bodies must be used exclusively for peaceful purposes. It omits the rest of space in this blanket prohibition. The only guidance offered in this respect is found in the treaties preamble, which recognizes a common interest in the progress of exploration and use of the space, or use of space for peaceful purposes. The second caveat says that those conducting activities in space must do so with due regard to the corresponding interests of all other state, states, of all other states, parties to the treaty. It, the, the way they write laws and the language they use is so weird. Anyway. So, a major problem arises from the fact that this treaty does not offer a clear definitions for either peaceful purposes or due regard, and 
And honestly, places like China, um, China, especially North Korea, I mean, Iran, uh, hell, China's in the Human Rights Council for the UN. That makes no sense. Yeah. So you really think that the UN doing this is really going to do anything? Like, China's just going to say, oh, yeah, well, definitely. They're also in the Paris, Climate, the Paris Climate Accords. And they have increased their emissions. They've increased? Yeah, since joining. A lot of countries actually have increased their emissions since joining, but that's a topic for another time. You really think the UN saying no, no, no is really going to, you know, do anything for China? They hold no power. Oh anything that China's doing and China's just gonna turn a blind eye and say yes politically we say yes just like everything else it's all about publicity and behind closed doors they're doing something else yeah so so um, I mean there's this newfound fascination with space that we're seeing these days you know Jeff Bezos Elon Musk with Blue Origin and SpaceX respectively NASA's ramping up um, China's ramping up their space efforts. Russia's ramping up their space efforts. I mean, I don't know what it is right now. It's a new space race. I, it might have something to do with the building conflict and tensions that's it's, going on in the world right now. It's funny. The, the article Here, says switch to you. it's an arms race in space. Yeah. It's literally like the new space race. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know where it came from. It's just kind of happened like a year ago. Everything and everyone has been in, more interested in space. Um, I mean, I love space. I think that's great, but uh, the consequences of that, mm -hmm. I don't know that are they're all that great, because well, uh, technology advances the most through yeah. when when we're in, at war. So if we're competing in an arms race or some military uh, operation, technology will increase. It improves a lot of benefits and our increases yeah. ev everything we have te uh, technologically. But, of the course, the downside is war. Yeah. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, I mean, tensions are really high right now between everybody. Like, Russia, China, India, Australia, the U.S. Funny enough, I don't think Great Britain makes the list of things that are tension-y right now. I haven't heard a lot about I, them. I haven't heard a lot about them either, but I know it definitely. U.S., China, Russia, Australia, um, Iran, India. Tensions are really building right now, man. And this whole fascination with space is turning militant. As it usually does. Yeah, so, like, I mean, we have the, the U.S. Space Force under the Air Force currently in the U.S. China has their own Space Force. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if Russia does. It might just be... I don't know if Russia has different branches. I mean, I'm sure they do. I don't, I, I'm not an expert on Russia. So I would not be the person to talk to about that. But... It, I, it, I don't know, man. It just it, It's a little weird that everyone's focused so heavily on space right now. It The thing it makes me think of... It, did you ever play Call of Duty Ghosts? Uh, I think I've heard about the story, though. You remember the rods from God? Yes. Oh, uh, I saw that one. Uh, what's it called? Uh, what's Thor's dad? Odin. Odin. Yeah, the Odin space station. When they had the, the titanium rods that would just wreak havoc. Kinetic bombardment. Um, Is that possible? Oh, it's definitely possible. Like, absolutely within our reach. But imagine a country did that. Even the U.S. Imagine the U.S. did that. Imagine China did that. Imagine Russia did that. It's all about checks and balances. Because you know if China does it, the U.S. is going to do it. And if, I mean, if any one of the big countries does it, everyone else is going to do it. And, I mean, that's another thing. Uh, just like the nukes. Yeah, that's uh, to a say. point, you just get to mutually assured destruction, mm -hmm. and then... It's like this, it, yeah. over and over again. And I mean, there's there's some, I mean, assurance of peace to that, but what happens when tensions break, and then one side's losing, and they say, you know, we're losing, F it, we're going to use it, mm -hmm. you know? Having a big sti yeah, bigger stick than oh, the other guy... Oh, sorry. I was going to say something. Go ahead. Having a bigger stick than the other guy does assure peace f for you, but at a point, if the other guy has just a big enough stick to do a lot of damage, and they're losing, mm -hmm. then, yeah, you know, they're gonna. No, you basically said what. You basically said what I was gonna say, whereas like every, they're gonna keep one upping each other until someone keeps going, and the other one can't catch up, and it's, it's all over. So basically, what you said. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
I love innovation. Mm -hmm. Technological innovation is amazing. And we have achieved some really monumental great things as humanity. And we've also achieved some, you know, relatively horrible, not relatively, just absolutely horrible things as, as humanity. And it really, technological advancement is really a double-edged sword because it all depends on who uses it. And yeah, I mean, great power comes great, comes great responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man right there or uncle Ben or whatever. Mm -hmm. It just, it's weird and not in a good way. Just especially right now that that's why it rubs me the wrong way. Just because of all the tensions and everything that's going on right now, we have this fascination with space. And I love space, and I'm fascinated with it. But I don't think now is the time to be ramping up technological production in space that could lead to an event like mutually assured destruction. So. I'm afraid it's, it's always going to end up like that, where it's, it's going to be mutually assured destruction. But why do you think it started? Uh, why, why is this interest in space... Um, why did it start? I tell you exactly how it started. COVID. COVID. What happened when it was released from China, mm -hmm. in whatever fashion? <laughs> YouTube, don't kill me. What are you talking about, Joe? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. The Wuhan Institute of Virology had nothing to do with COVID, even though we were studying it in the bats. But um, no, no, no. Uh, we we don't claim anything here in terms of medical anything on YouTube because we don't want to uh, be canceled. So, anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. No, the, honestly, the, the whole thing happened with the lockdowns. Um, when you see this massive transfer of wealth from the middle class to, you know, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, all these rich um, billionaires. Isn't Jeff Bezos a trillionaire now? Is he a trillionaire or is he just a multi-billionaire? I'm pretty sure he's a trillionaire, but that's accounting the stocks he has well, with it's, Amazon it's if he sold it off. It's not liquid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I was going to ask is how much is Elon Musk worth right now? I have no idea. I'm going to fact check it real quick. Um, but anyway, when you have that massive transfer of wealth, you know, let's say, you know, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos have maybe always been a little interested in space. Mm -hmm. And now they have this massive wealth that they've accrued in a very short amount of time. And they say, well, let's look look at what SpaceX is doing, uh, Jeff Bezos says. I want to do that. Then Richard Branson, look at what Richard Branson's doing. Look at what, you know, and then all these people. Uh, here, you just say it. I didn't read it. So right now, Elon Musk is worth above $300 billion. So he is the richest man, person in the history, history of the world. No one has beaten him there. And in second place is Jeff Bezos with a whopping two hundred and one billion dollars. Yeah, and I don't think that it takes into account because he's tied to the stocks and you can't really sell it all. Is Amazon stocks and his um, yeah, his stocks. It's, it's all sorry, it's all uh, it's not liquid. It's yeah. all accrued assets. It's because he owns a company mm -hmm. or multiple companies in their cases. But back to what I was saying, you just get all these rich people who just now have this massive amount of new wealth in a short amount of time who have always been trying to one-up each other and then someone starts doing space elon musk has always been doing spacex for a long time oh, excuse me for a long time um and then richard branson has been doing space for a long time and then jeff bezos starts doing space on blue, with blue origin and then you see northrop i mean they've always been an aerospace company but now they're making the uh origin capsule for NASA, all these companies just start looking into it because they're looking at everyone else and everyone, it just compounds. Mm -hmm. And then when that starts happening, you see the companies are in a space race. Now the companies are in a space race. Uh, all the, the public loves space now, you know? Uh, Skittles is sending Skittles to space so that they can sell them for a bunch of money. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, we talked about that a while ago, um, but anyway. You know, everyone's now that the public is interested in space. Now you see these governments saying, "Well, now that everyone's going up in space, well, what what can we do uh, militarily? What can everyone else do militarily? What do we think they can do? Well, we've got we've got to protect ourselves, so we have to one up them, you know, in space. So I mean, that's how it happens. It just compounds because someone starts and. The, I mean, the biggest transfer of wealth in human history happened in the COVID lockdowns. 
And it's because of that that we have, I mean, all the space race stuff that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. So. Do you want to continue? Uh, yeah, we can continue reading. I'm going to continue reading from Space is Militarized, Conflict is Possible. Um, space has been used for military purposes since Germany first launched its V-2 rocket in 1942. Uh, that's actually a cool rocket, and we can talk about that a little bit later. It uses uh, uh, ethanol and hydrogen peroxide, which is incredibly unstable. Didn't they use them to bomb, like, long-range yeah. Britain? Um, I don't know that they work too much mm-hmm. or too well because whenever they landed, they would blow up because the hydrogen peroxide is so unstable. So they had to make them land with nothing in the tank. Um, but anyway, uh, many early satellites, GPS uh, satellites, uh, Soviet space station and NASA space shuttle were either explicitly developed or have been used for military purposes. I actually didn't know that the space shuttle was used for military purposes. That's either. interesting. Uh, we'll have to look into that a little later. Maybe for GPS? That's what uh, they're saying? Well, GPS satellites... Actually, that's true. This, the um, space shuttles did take up uh, some satellites. I don't know about GPS, but... Anyway. Okay. With incre- so this is what we were just talking about. With increasing commercialization, the lines between military and civilian uses of space are less blurry. Most people are able to identify terrestrial benefits of satellites, like weather forecasts, climate monitoring, and internet connectivity, but are unaware that they also increase agricultural yields and monitor human rights violations. Mm. I was unaware of that. I didn't know that. So if they monitor human rights violations, why hasn't China gotten a ticket yet? They can't... I saw a uh, news article on how they're taking satellite photos of all the camps they have for the... um, What is it? The the, Muslims. Yeah, the the, the Muslims over there. And um, also I saw an article of one Chinese citizen who went to every single one of the camps and started recording it. And he recorded every single one that he saw on on the satellite. And then he's able to, um, he released it to the press. And it's depressing. It's really depressing what he saw. Um, We could talk about that another time. Yeah, Yeah, we can talk about that another time. But, I mean, it's really sad to see. I mean, it's concentration camps. Yep. I mean, Australia's starting to do that now, too. Re-education. No. Concentration camps. That's what I'm saying. I know. But there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's concentration camps. And, I mean, there's quite a few countries doing that. I mean, Russia's never stopped doing that. They just call them prison, but, um, you know, political enemies of Vladimir Putin. Mm -hmm. But, you know, China's concentration camps. Australia's starting to go down that road. Really? Yeah. I didn't even see anything about that. Well, I don't. I won't say it on YouTube because okay. it's a later, touchy later. subject. We'll but we'll, we'll talk about that later. But that's interesting. I never heard about that. But anyway, there has not yet been any direct military conflict in space. Uh, but there has been an escalation in efforts by nations to prove their military prowess, and this is exactly what we were talking about. Russia's test is only the most recent example. In two thousand seven. China tested an anti-satellite weapon. So actually, China's had it for a while. Wow. Hmm. Created an enormous debris cloud that is still causing problems. Uh, The International Space Station had to dodge a piece from that Chinese test as recently as November 10th, 2021. Similar demonstrations by the U.S. and India were far less destructive in terms of creating debris, but they were no more welcomed by the international community. The new UN resolution is important because it sets in motion the development of new norms, blah, 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 legalese, I don't care. So, I mean, talking about that, so the India, U.S., China, and Russia all have the capability to knock down satellites now. I actually didn't know that. That's new to me. But you know, go. I, I feel like every single government already has a list of, if this country attacks, yeah. we're already programmed to take out this, 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 this. Every single government probably has that already. It's probably one uh, aimed at L.A., definitely, probably. by multiple nations. Yeah. I bet you're right. I bet you're right. It's, yeah, it's scary, man. I mean, I definitely recognize the U.S. should absolutely keep its interest and its citizens' interest as its primary um, function. In defense is a big part of that. We absolutely have to keep our nation safe. But to a point, we have to ask, is what they're doing actually keeping it safe, or is it provocative? And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a U.S. first kind of guy, America first kind of guy. But 
course. When you get to a point where just this escalation, I don't think it's a good thing for either side. It's just it's just a weird double-edged, you know, yeah. a double-edged problem because you want to keep yourself safe, but at the exactly. same, you know, what's the constant? It's just I don't know what the answer is. You can't stop progressing. Yeah. Because they won't stop progressing. Yeah. You have to keep going. You know what it's like? It's like, oh, oh I have to I have to. What's you that? know it's like it's like playing risk. Yeah. <laughs> when on so on your friend's turn, he puts one more troop on the border. You're like, what you and then on your that? turn, you put two more troops. Mm -hmm. and then on his turn, he puts five more. And on your yeah. turn, you put ten more. You know, and it just mm -hmm. keeps going and going until one of you attacks each other. And you have to eventually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's really what it's like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've had that many times. Who has the bigger guns? Yeah. Showing off. It's all about showing off. Yeah. It's scary, man. But anyway. On a less, actually, I don't even know if this is going to be less uh, depressing or less uh, serious, but China found a hut on the moon, oh, yeah. and they named it a mystery hut, and it's, I, I just saw this, and I was like, what do you mean a mystery hut on the moon? Uh, so pull up the picture. Hold it up. China has a rover on the moon, and... It's apparently been exploring the surface of the moon's uh, far side, so the side we can't see, the dark side of the moon, so-called. And apparently it found a hut. And, I mean, you can pull up the picture right there. Mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, you are kind of right. It does look like two fuzzy rocks. It could just But be if you really squint and use your imagination, uh -huh. it kind of kind of looks like... Uh, it kind of looks odd. It does look odd. When it's look It's very angular. When you... When you look at photos of the moons, oh, hold on. Yeah, yeah, I gotta switch to you. When you look at photos of the, the moon's horizon, you usually don't see obstructions that are like angled at yeah. 90 degree angles like that. You usually see, oh, it's a curved surface, it's going up, it's going down. This is very yeah. irregular, but I feel like it can be explained by something oh, simple. I bet you what it is, I bet you that's China's spa uh, base on the moon. <laughs> you know, uh, they probably have a base on the moon if they don't. Yeah, I, I bet you they do. Already? I bet you. Oh yeah, I bet you they've had one there for a while. Um, but let's let's read a little bit about this. The solar-powered rover recently spotted a weirdly cube-shaped mystery hut on its horizon that has generated quite a lot of media buzz, despite the likely it just being a rock. But other findings have also drawn attention over the past couple of years. Uh, the same rover discovered an object in the middle of a small crater that was in initially described by. Um, by what? Our Space? Uh, Chinese language science outreach channel. <laughs> I like that. Our Space. Outreach. They're literally calling it Our Space. We have a uh, comment from oh, Joshua Brobst. Oh, okay. We're, we do all the comments at the end. At the end? Of yeah. Uh, I, li I like it when it, it goes in between. But, well, okay. Uh, well, you can read it. Read one. Okay, okay. Josh uh, was commenting on our previous uh, you know, uh, things where he says, I love this analogy where it's a risk. It's like <laughs> risk where it's an escalation. So someone yeah, yeah. suicides. Yeah. Because Josh is the one who played with us most yeah, of the time. Yeah, and he would just... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. He'd literally just take all of his troops and just punch a hole as far as he could, and then he'd be the first one to lose. But <laughs> anyway. So, that's weird that they... I mean, it's not weird. It makes sense because it's China. But they, they call it our space. Our space. <laughs> so is that like communism? our space, like communism? Or is it like that's the space? It's, it's all ours. Or like ours, like our nation. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's see. What did they find? Um, so they found an object in the middle of a crater that was described as gel-like. Huh. There was no accompanying image. Scientists suspected the substance was a glassy material created by impacts that turned out to be correct. A recent paper in the Journal of Nature, authored by Chinese scientists, reported that the material was likely from a meteorite strike on the moon less than one million years ago. Um, I, I still love that we trust Chinese scientists, but that's a different topic. This seems trustworthy enough. It's nothing major. Yeah, but like, what if it was the cure to the common cold? What, what if that's where the coronavirus came from? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's probably, that's the likelihood of that happening is, is, that's funny, is right? not likely. But, um... You know, like, if they lie about COVID, and they lie about the Uyghur Muslims, 
and we, we these things that we know they're lying about what, what else are they lying? why why would they be truthful in any other you know we have to assume that they're always lying but here i don't see an ulterior motive well yeah but i just don't trust china okay. <laughs> noted yeah so uh, another discovery was a number of shards of a rock sticking out of a surface referred to by our space as a milestone uh, once again, a meteor impact is the likely culprit. While seemingly mundane, such rocks stand out on a surface that has been pulverized over billions of years by both micrometeorites and harsh solar radiation. So I want to talk about that. Micrometeorites are just these little tiny little pebbles mm -hmm. and sand particles that just blast. It's like sandblasting. That's why the moon is relatively smooth. Uh, and in, in addition to the solar radiation, there's no... I don't think there's an electric or magnetic field around the moon at all. So, I mean, it's constantly bombarded by solar radiation. Like, our magnetic field and uh, our atmosphere protect us from a lot of radiation. Um, in addition to the solar winds. Uh, but all the moon just, I think, gets a lot of that. It still, I think, is within the Earth's magnetic field a little bit. It still, I think it has one. It does have one. It's really small? Okay. But, um, I digress. It gets hit with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so smooth. So it, that's why they're saying it's weird to see these sharp objects on it. Uh, I guess that just means that they're newer. That'd be my guess. Mm -hmm. So. Apparently the same rover has been uh, looking beneath the lunar surface. It has ground-penetrating radar, and it's been building images of layers beneath the rover by collecting reflected electromagnetic waves. So, apparently there's three distinct layers in the rear, no, in the near subsurface, suggesting that separate large impact events have delivered ejecta into the region. So, it's, I mean, that's basically just like sediment layers. Oh, okay. Um, we do the same thing here on Earth where we send uh, ground-penetrating radar into the ground. Um, let's see. The lunar far side never faces the Earth. It was not seen until the Soviet Union's Luna 3 spacecraft traveled around the moon in 1959. Change 4 and U-2-2. That's funny. U-2-2. Uh, therefore, cannot beam data directly to Earth and are supported by a relay satellite beyond the moon, which uh, facilitates communications between the spacecraft and its handlers. Um, so that, that just, that's reminiscent of Kerbal Space Program. <laughs> I would just build all these satellites and I just put them everywhere uh -huh. so that I could just, that'd be the first thing I do. Mm -hmm. So I could just go anywhere and still be able to communicate. Cause in some spaces you only, you can only use like the astronauts mm -hmm. if it, if there's not a relay satellite, but if there's relay satellites everywhere, you can just use automated stuff. But anyway, that's not related at all. Oh, I love Kerbal <laughs> Space Program, man. I had a spa big old space station around the moon, or around the Earth, and then a refueling station around the moon, and then a big space station around Mars. But anyway, that, that's a fun game. All my guys died. Oh, oh of course. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I killed Jeb a few hundred times. A few hundred. All right, well, I th that's pretty... Yeah, it, it's, it's all just... So if we're talking about this lunar uh, mystery hut, it's probably just a rock. But it's kind of fun to imagine, like, they accidentally took a picture of their own space base and sent it to the media. Like, <laughs> <laughs> look at this, or they're, they're hinting at it, or like... But yeah, they're, they're saying, hey, States United States, look at what we got. I mean, we're not going to prove it, but look at what we got. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's funny to imagine that they accidentally released it, a picture of their own space base. But it's obvious, it's pretty, it looks like just a rock. It's the same color as everything else. Mm -hmm. If you really look at it, they look like two fuzzballs. So, I mean, honestly, it could, I mean, this is probably isn't likely, but it could just be a speck of dust on the camera. That lined up perfectly? Yeah, that's true. It, it's pretty coincidental. I think it's just a rock. It's probably just a rock. That perfect 90 degree. Yes. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening on like Spotify or whatever, we're literally looking, and you can look it up on space.com. It's it's called Mystery Hut on the Moon, just the latest weird find, uh, or weird lunar find by China's U-2-2 rover. Um, so you can look it up on space.com if you want, uh, for those of you listening to see the picture. But 
I mean, it literally just looks like two fuzzballs that are sticking out at 90 degrees to the lunar surface at the horizon. So, uh, I think we have a chat message. So let's uh, let's go to the chat. Who? What do we have? We have Edward Solidale. Okay. He says, "Where are the space nukes?" The I think space nukes. Well, you just missed it. We had a conversation about all the space nukes uh, at that at the start of the podcast. Come on, Edward. Dude, you're late, my friend. What time is it? It's already 8.40. Holy cow. We got tangents. Yeah. We're not even on the third one yet. Yeah, it's okay. But, um, yeah, the space nukes, we were talking about that at the start of the podcast. Basically, China has this essentially high-altitude glider that went around the Earth two times, and nobody was the wiser until they figured it out when it started landing. And it had a nuclear payload on it. And so it was just a, a nuke floating around in space and went around the Earth twice and so China could just send a nuke anywhere they want. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can always you can always rewind them and rewatch it. He said he'll watch the video afterwards. And also, Josh uh, says, "Is the moon landing a hoax?" No. <laughs> it is definitely not. It's a hoax, Josh. Don't believe him. Although, was- although I do have to say, I do have to say to their credit, the flag. Oh, wiggled a little bit. A little bit. But... It was the, it was the air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew says it's the air conditioning. But, no, I... Honestly, I don't think it's faked. It kind of would make sense if it was faked. But I really don't think it's faked. I think... Because we literally have the rockets and the physical proof and the evidence. We have lunar rocks from the moon we have videos of multiple videos of the moon we have people orbiting the moon it it's um it's not fixed sorry go ahead matthew we actually discussed this before there is a mirror on the moon which you could reflect light on remember and we have the landing site which you can see with your telescope that it's there i forgot about that we have talked about that before um but yeah the moon landing is definitely not fixed there's just a multitude of evidence. They either did a really good job of covering it up, which I doubt because it's the U.S. government. <laughs> anyway, uh, you want to move on to the third article, Einstein's Theory of General, Re- General Relativity, or do we have another chat message? We have another one. Okay, go for it. Uh, Mike Tan said, it's fake. <laughs> I agree with him. Uh, well, he's wrong. So... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, do you have it pulled up? Uh, let me see. Oh, we, we have more chats. We have- oh, oh, go for it. Go for it. Sorry. It's okay. It's not bad. Uh, we're getting a lot of traffic here. Uh, Edward says, is traveling at the speed of light enough to explore the universe? No. No, not at all. I mean, the closest uh, habitable system or potentially habitable system to us, actually the closest star to us even, Proxima Centauri, What's it? 1.2 like million light years away. Look it up. Um, Proxima Centauri distance from Earth. Um, I, th- I want to say it's like 1.2 either million or billion light years away from us, and that's the closest star. If you travel at the speed of light, you would get there in. Oh, I'm completely wrong. <laughs> it's four light years. So you would get there in four years if you're traveling at the speed of light. Uh, now look up the distance between uh, the Milky Way and Andromeda, which is the closest galaxy. I wanna see how many light years that is. Because 2.5 million light years. So to get to the closest galaxy, which is is Andromeda, 2.5 million years if you're traveling at the speed of light. It's, It's the speed limit of the universe. Nothing velocity and energy wise can travel faster than the speed of light. Otherwise, uh, and the reason that is, is because E equals MC squared. If you have uh, less mass, you can move faster, or you, you can have more energy. But you can't, you can't move at the speed of light unless you have no mass. And you can't have negative mass as far as we know. And even if you were to have negative mass, your velocity, how would that work? We're going deep. Yeah, that's, that's a whole other tangent. Edward said, and if only we could go faster. So... The theory, or the thing that people want to know to kind of circumvent the speed of light is wormholes, right? 
you have a singularity and Einstein's theory of special relativity um, that model is so stupid yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's doing that stupid paper fold and punch it through from Interstellar in every single sci-fi movie it's to simplify I mean, it down sure that's simplified and it, it's great and all but I mean it's not right <laughs> first of all it's 2D which Interstellar, to its credit, says since it's 3D, it's a sphere and not a circle. But <laughs> the whole reason there's a model for a wormhole, it's a, uh, a missing link, or I don't know if that's the right word. It's um, an, eventual an eventuality that could happen because of Einstein's theory of special relativity, which basically says if you have a singularity technically you could you could line up the math to say you have a singularity to where everything is moving in to the singularity super fast and then there must be an exit to eject mass and that's the whole where we get white holes and black holes black holes is one end of the singularity white holes is the other and that would since it's literally converging space-time in three dimensions it could you know technically be a wormhole and travel uh, transport us anywhere but i mean honestly it wouldn't be feasible to go through that that's only one scenario there's a bunch of other scenarios i'm not an expert on s the special theory of relativity and what the last one from josh what is a quasar um uh, it's been a long time since i've taken uh an astronomy class and that's actually a Good question. Look it up, Matthew. Gotcha. I know it has something to do with stars. Um, I believe it's a star that had... Uh, it, it's some kind of star, I think. I you got it. Maybe, if you can switch to yourself. Oh, did I not do the screen in seat two? No, I got it. Oh, you got it. Okay. A quasar is an extremely luminous, active, galactic... Nucleus powered by a supermassive black hole with a mass oh, ranging right. from millions to tens yeah. of billions of times the mass of the sun, surrounded by a gaseous accretion disk. disk. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so this was, I remember now. So, like the center of a galaxy, you have all that, you know, mass centralized in the nucleus, is what they call it, the galactic center, the nucleus of the galaxy. And it's a supermassive black hole. It's, this, it's a star that's collapsed on itself due to its own gravity. And to a point where you have a singularity, which is what we were just talking about, it's based on Einstein's theory of special relativity, and in which point that space-time gets really weird. Uh, that's a simplification, by the way. And you have this big old accretion disk around it, usually siphoning off energy and mass from some other uh, donor star or celestial body. And it, I mean, it literally looks like this massive disk swirling around the black hole and then slowly, you know, joining into the black hole, passing the event horizon. And I mean, that's powering the black hole, kind of. Anyway, you also have these two jets coming off that kind of spin like a top. And um, I forget what those jets are. I think they're called relativistic jets. Relativistic jets. Yeah. So relativistic jets, and those, I forget, I think, are they gamma rays, or are they Hawking radiation? Sure. Is it something about shock? I forget how exactly they're formed. I, like, we, we always get into the trap on this show, and I know we are the Astrocast, but we always fall into the trap of talking about um, astrophysics, and I am, like, not an expert at astrophysics at all. Uh, I know about you know where we can find stars in the sky but the you know the thing i'm good at electrical engineering you know and i'm i'm good at physics but not astrophysics Dude, that's like sense. a whole like i haven't even started to wrap my head around einstein's special relativity that thing is just insane that man is incredibly smart which brings us it's a perfect segue to our next story on space.com thank you josh uh, this and this is Einstein's theory of general relativity passes one of its toughest tests yet, and um, we were talking about this before the show. 
I didn't know that Einstein released or published the general relativity in 1916 during World War One, uh, which is interesting because, um, you know, I, I always thought he was a World War Two kind of guy because, you know, he was the main um, the main reason we were able to make an atomic bomb in the first place. Uh, in addition to uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's a tangent that we don't need to go into. But Einstein's general relativity, uh, it, that, that's basically where he outlined gravity is not a force of attraction. Oppenheimer. Yes, thank you. Um, anyway. Gravity isn't the attraction between two objects. Gravity is due to the mass of an object causing a shift or a warp in space-time, which basically means you know, you have your 2D example. If you put a ball on fabric, the fabric will dip in and it'll be like a cone shape. And that's essentially called a gravity well. And that's what happens when you have some kind of celestial body or anything with mass. You have a gravity well, and that's outlined by uh, Einstein's general relativity. And I mean, you could also simplify it by using Newton's law of gravitation. And that is usually pretty good when you have when you're dealing with smallish objects like around the size of the earth and the, and the solar system but once you get into things like supermassive black holes newton's just falls apart uh, and einstein's does a really good job of bringing that all together so and th this is what i wanted to talk about tonight you have the quantum physics side of things which is, deals with things that are super super duper tiny and then you have Einstein's general and special relativity that deal with things that are macroscopic, you know, everything uh, that we can physically touch, see, and there's just, there's not a good way of joining those two together. There's not a theory of everything. We talked about this before. Yeah, we have talked about this before, but I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, um, I wanted to go more in depth. Okay. So, um... I lost my train of thought. Sorry, I derailed it. <laughs> uh, That's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just keep, keep reading the article. Um, scientists have put general relativity to the test repeatedly over the past 105 years, trying to find situations or circumstances where it comes up short, and they have not yet found one. That is a testament to how much of a genius Einstein was. They have been testing it for a century uh, after he's published it, and they still haven't been able to find any flaws uh, in at least in general relativity. In special relativity, I don't think they have either. But the only thing, the only thing that Einstein falls short on, as far as I'm aware, is quantum, quantum mechanics. And oh my God, is quantum mechanics complicated? Like you think Einstein's special relativity is complicated? Quantum mechanics doesn't make any sense. Go for it. One day, oh, I thought I had to One day we're gonna have to have a professor or somebody who specializes yes. in that come on. Absolutely. One day, if and anyone... then we're just gonna be sitting there, right? We're gonna be thinking, it's like, what is he saying? But it yeah. makes sense. It's like, okay, okay, <laughs> like that. Hopefully, you can dumb it down to us. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, if any of you know anyone, if any of like, I would love to have someone on the show explaining us quantum or Einstein special. Uh, relativity. I, I would absolutely love that. If there's anyone watching or listening or that is uh, an expert in quantum mechanics or knows a little bit about quantum mechanics or Einstein's special relativity, even general relativity, I'll take. Like, an expert in either astrophysics or quantum mechanics, that would be... Sorry, am I like... No. Did I move? Okay. Um, yeah, I would love that. And if you, you could get in touch to me on Instagram, uh, you can pull up the screen right now so they can have a reference point um you can find me at joe.seasall on instagram and so I, I reach out if you know anyone if you are someone who is either an expert in the field of astrophysics or quantum mechanics or you know someone or you know anything like that I, we would love to have you on the show and we would set that up in a heartbeat uh you could either go through me or i don't know if you want if you want them to go through you just through me okay um and then pretty soon, and we'll talk about this after the show, Matthew, mm -hmm. pretty soon we'll probably have our own website um, and we'll have our own email that you can send uh, stuff like that too. So 
uh, that'll probably be next show, maybe. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that. But we have three comments. Uh, let's. Uh, it sounds like well, we're actually getting close to closing time here, so we're we're gonna go to the chat. So let's see what we have. So our first comment is from James Kyle. He says, "Hello, Astrocast." Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Then. Hello to you too, sir. I hope you're having a good night. Mike Tan says, I've watched Endgame. So I think he's referencing, like, now he knows like, what we're talking about, I guess. I don't know. What, How does what that do relate to Endgame? us? What do you mean by Endgame? Like, like the movie. No? Like the time travel? That's a uh, dude. That, yes, that yes. is so. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's saying a joke. He's saying a joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he's making a joke because that whole thing, they explain that so poorly. And I do, I do think, I, I could be completely wrong because I'm in no way an expert on quantum mechanics, but I do think there is something within quantum mechanics that they were actually had some inspiration from, um, where time, I mean, we, we do know that time works incredibly differently in when you get to really, really small things. And it's the same way time works really differently when you get to really, really big things. I mean, at both extremes, time works differently. Um, and I think that's what they were going for, but I mean, to explain quantum mechanics mechanics in a 10 minute segment in a movie, ha you need a lifetime to understand quantum mechanics. And just when you, if you think, I forget who said it, there's a famous quote by, I was either, you said this last time. I said this uh, a few times ago, if you think you understand quantum mechanics, then you don't, or something like that. Um, I want to say it was either Niels Bohr, or, no, Richard I actually, Feynman. sorry? Richard Feynman? What did he say? Feynman? Uh, Feynman. Uh, if you think you understand quantum mechanics... Then you're wrong? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, there was another... There was the other quote that I was referencing the other night was... Um, the closer you look into... Or if you dip your toes into science, then you'll become an atheist. And then if you continue looking deeper, then you'll believe in God again or something like that. I think that was either Bohr or... It was some other quantum mechanics guy. Um... I digress. Oh, Heisenberg? Heisenberg, yes. He's the guy with a Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, and that is a, that is complicated, man. I mean, we got one more. Basically, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle means at the quantum level, the more you know about the velocity of an object, the less you know about its location, and vice versa. And that has some freaking complicated consequences. That's the whole thing where an electron is really just a probability wave, and I that stuff like I cannot wrap my head around. That, that relates to um, what Joshua Rob said. The problem with quantum stuff is that we can't see um, that we can't see things yeah, that's that small, which makes it harder to study. Yeah. And then we have the last comment from James well, Kyle. Oh, you want to talk about that one? Okay. So the way we study quantum mechanics is with things like the Large Hadron Collider uh, in CERN, Switzerland, and kind of goes into Geneva, uh, Italy. Is it Geneva, Italy? I think it's Geneva, Italy. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, we start, We literally smash subatomic particles together and then see what happens. That's how we study quantum mechanics. And we've discovered a lot of, we've discovered new elements that way. We've discovered a lot of uh, things about quarks, up quarks, down quarks, um, weird quarks, I think there's, there's one called. But I digress. Um, quantum mechanics is really freaking complicated. It takes a lot of studying and a lot of hard work to wrap your head around it. And I couldn't imagine being a scientist working at the Large, large Hadron Collider trying to... Because that's, I mean, those are the two frontiers of science mm -hmm. that we, don't, we really have no idea about us. Humanity is really, really small things and really, really large things. And we can't bridge them together. So... James Kyle said, would it, wouldn't it be easier to figure out how to resurrect Einstein rather yeah. than investing into quantum mechanics and his, his studies? Uh, and I don't think so. Who knows Einstein's principles better than Einstein himself? That's true. So, Or at least his brain, like, what is it, Arnon Zola from Marvel? Yeah. Extracting consciousness in a computer, maybe. The problem with that is then you get into the philo philosophical side of things, which I actually, I love philosophy. But... You get into the philosophical things. It, would it really be Einstein? Um, is Einstein's, you know, is that is all that knowledge stored in his brain? Einstein's brain is literally preserved in a museum somewhere. I saw that. Um, anyway, but no, that's a whole philosophical side of things where you know what makes a person. 
uh, if you resurrect a person, is it the same person? That you get into the ship of Theseus. I mean, he, that is a whole rabbit hole that we have to spend so a, a podcast. We, we should do a podcast, a philosophy podcast. That'd be interesting. Um, we'll have to schedule that in because that would be really interesting. And I'll really have to brush up on my philosophy because, you know, I know the buzzwords, utilitarianism, mm -hmm. um, ship of Theseus, you know, what makes a man a man. Anyway, was that all the comments? Um, well, Edward said exactly what you said. Next week, y'all should have a philosophical <laughs> topic. Well, maybe we will next week. Uh, we'll, we'll do that next week then, and I'll, I'll schedule it in and do some research. Uh, what's next next week? Monday? Yeah, that would that would work. He said yes, I agree. Okay. <laughs> we uh, we'll put it in the book. books then. Yeah. All right. Well. Want to go one more tangent? One more. Let's go on one more tangent. One more tangent. Last one, guys. Joshua Bruff says, <laughs> "How can we steal energy from black holes?" That is a big question. How do you get close without being like, so? It depends what you mean by energy, because if you're thinking of like electricity as energy, then I that'd be interesting. But if you're if you're talking just in terms of like basic energy principles, you know, kinetic energy, potential energy, um, energy is just transferred. It's not created or destroyed, mm -hmm. unless you have antimatter and matter, in which case that theory completely breaks. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about black holes. I mean, honestly, if you just get closer to the black hole, you'll have more energy due to gravity because of Einstein's general relativity. But I think what you're talking about is something like a Dyson sphere, which don't even get me started on the ridiculousness <laughs> of that. We talked about that like three oh times my God. already. <laughs> I, I just love... Hold on. I'm going to go on a tangent real quick. I just a tangent love, on a tangent. I just love the idea of putting solar panels around the sun, taking light energy from the sun, light and heat, turning it into electricity, and then beaming it with a laser back to wherever to, uh, you know, to have the energy. So what we're doing, so, so, so what we're doing is we're taking light, we're transferring it to electricity, and then we're turning it back into light. <laughs> it's like so we're losing that. energy. It's like the sun already does that. Yeah. To us. Yeah. For free. <laughs> We're adding that. And we don't have steps. to build a Dyson sphere. What if we just put solar panels on the moon? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then turn that light into the light? Into a light. Yeah. Into us. Yeah, yeah. And then put it back. <laughs> like how the moon already does it? Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> the ludicrousness of a Dyson sphere. And I get the concept, like you wanna harness the total energy of a star to power a civilization. And that's cool and all. But it's not going to happen from a Dyson sphere. You can't freaking take the energy from and use solar panel. It, it, it sounds cool. It sounds cool. And it's super sci-fi. But you just have to think about how energy is transferred. And whenever you transfer energy, there's going to be losses due to heat. And it's just... Yeah. Don't even get me started on that. I mean, you already did, but... <laughs> Kyle brings uh, up... We'll do, we'll do one more comment, and then I think we're going to have to... Uh, close it up here. He says, have you guys seen Force Awakens? You know, Starkiller Base steals the power of the sun? Uh, actually, I, w I have to say, that is better than the Dyson Sphere. Let's take it. Because you know what that reminded me of? What? Accretion disk on a black hole. Really? That's oh. literally, literally, they're using relativistic... It all relates back. It's oh, yeah. Back. They're using... I mean, they're not because it's a sci-fi film. Yeah. But literally, they would be using relativistic warping of space-time mm -hmm. to literally suck in the energy and mass from a black hole mm -hmm. or from a star and it uses a kyber crystal yeah as a lens basically as to focus lens. the energy mm -hmm. which i mean the science in theory kind of a little bit tracks mm -hmm. but it doesn't at the same time but anyway i think <laughs> i think that's, here. I think that's all here. the time we have tonight thank you for all the chats i i love the uh, engagement but it's uh, better than we're, before. Oh yeah, before, there was no engagement. Yeah. Here, like, we're we're moving up in the world, Matthew. A little, just a little bit. Yeah, and like I said, like we said, if you know anyone who would like to come on the show who uh, is into quantum mechanics or Einstein's special relativity uh, or astrophysics, like let me know definitely. Anything. And um, bring up the that window one last time. 
of the social media. And Kyle says so when, have one. Okay. Well, find me on Instagram and DM me and let me know, you know, what's going on. And we'll see if we can set that something up. But uh, I lost my train of thought. We're ending it. We're ending it. That's right. Thank you guys so much for watching. I've been Joseph Seas. Uh, this has been Matthew Barrera as well over there. And uh, you can find us on social media platforms. Well, you're obviously watching here on YouTube. So hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you don't miss another episode of the Astrocast Live. You can find us everywhere you find your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. And uh, is there anything else that I missed? Oh, hit the like button. That'd be helpful. And comment there we go. after the show goes live. After the show or goes the live. show goes. Or anything else you want to add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's it. Share the show with your friends because it's cool. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I, think we'll, I think that's it. I think we will see you guys next time. And have a good night. And we'll see you next week.